Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a podcast providing in-depth analysis and coverage of your favorite Milwaukee Brewers by Peter and David Goh. Welcome to today's trade deadline special of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. I wanted to come and do a bonus episode for you, unfortunately by myself, uh, but still able to give you some coverage, talk about the moves the Brewers made, some of the moves league-wide, Cubs big sell-off, uh, probably one of the bigger stories of the day across the league, and then also what did some of the divisional opponents do, or maybe some of the, even the, the playoff opponents for the Brewers do to make their teams better. Uh, so we're going to break that all down in this bonus episode, a little bit of a shorter one, um, but just want to kind of touch base and give you fans some uh, insight into the Brewers moves that they made at the deadline here. So we're going to go and kind of just briefly mention um, each of the big moves that have been made this trade season uh, across the league. I guess you could say it started with the Willie Adamas trade in Tampa Bay um, and then even moves like Rowdy Telez trade it with Toronto. Um, but Jock Peterson kind of started out July 15th, traded to the Braves from the Cubs. Um, Steven Vogt acquired by the Braves as well. Um, those were kind of the, the first couple moves earlier on. And then about a week ago, Nelson Cruz traded from Minnesota to Tampa Bay, the beginning of their teardown. Rich Hill to the Mets from Tampa Bay. Um, and then you've got a pretty big trade with Pittsburgh and uh, San Diego. Adam Frazier going to San Diego, second baseman, leading the major league in hits at the time of the trade uh, for a couple prospects. Uh, interesting get for San Diego, but overall a, a pretty big move. And Kind of didn't think that that was going to be the biggest move that they would make, but uh, ended up being that way even after the Scherzer deal with San Diego fell through uh, and they ultimately weren't really able to get the big, big piece that they maybe thought they were going to get or maybe wanted to get. Uh, the Reds acquired Luis Sessa and Justin Wilson, a couple relievers from New York uh, for a player to be named later. Mariners acquired left-handed pitcher Tyler Anderson from the Pirates. Uh, Anderson threw seven shutout innings against the Brewers to end the Brewers' winning streak, 11-game winning streak, a few weeks ago. Reds also acquired Michael Givens from the Rockies, uh, slightly above average reliever, uh, to kind of bolster their bullpen. A's acquired Starling Marte from uh, from Miami. Jesus Luzardo went to Miami in the deal, a, a very good young left-handed pitcher. Uh, I thought Miami did really well on that trade. Uh, we got Cesar Hernandez going from Cleveland to Chicago to the White Sox. Um, Brad Hand going to Toronto from Washington as part of their big teardown. Yankees acquiring Joey Gallo uh, for a pretty big prospect package going to the uh, to the Rangers from the Yankees. Uh, Cubs traded off Ryan Tapera to the White Sox, kind of a minor move. Mariners acquired Rays reliever Diego Castillo. Dodgers acquired left-handed pitcher Danny Duffy, a longtime Royal. Uh, now with the Dodgers, Yankees acquired Anthony Rizzo from the Cubs for a couple of prospects. Red Sox acquired a former Cub, Kyle Schwarber. Uh, and Padres got Daniel Hudson, who's uh, been one of the better relievers across baseball this year. Daniel Norris, of course, going to the Brewers, uh, as well as um, John Curtis from Miami. And then the Eduardo Escobar trade, of course. We're going to go through those a little more. Um, Pirates acquired infielder Michael Chavis from the Red Sox hasn't really produced much but pretty good uh, pretty good bat there uh, we got kind of minor trade Phil Matone going to 
the Indians in exchange, excuse, from the Indians to the Astros in exchange for Miles Straw. <clears throat> Giants acquired left-handed reliever Tony Watson from the Angels. Phillies acquired Freddie Galvis uh, from the Orioles. Eddie Rosario traded to the Braves in exchange for Pablo Sandoval, who the the uh, Indians ended up just releasing him right away. Blue Jays acquired Joaquin Soria, former Brewer. Red Sox acquire Hansel Robles. Braves acquire Adam Duvall from Miami. Braves acquire Richard Rodriguez from Pittsburgh. Cardinals trade Jay, uh, excuse me, trade John Gant for Jay Happ uh, with Minnesota. Cardinals also acquire John Lester in exchange for Lane Thomas. Braves acquire Jorge Soler. Not sure where he's going to fit in there. Kind of a DH in the NL. Yankees acquire Andrew Heaney from the Angels for a couple of young pitchers. Uh, the A's acquired Jan Gomes and Josh Harrison from the Nationals. Phillies acquire Kyle Gibson, Ian Kennedy, uh, as well as a pretty good young prospect named Hans Kraus. Uh, traded a couple of their better pitching prospects. I'm not sure if Spencer Howard still has a prospect eligibility, uh, but he's a, a very good young pitcher. Kevin Gowdy as well, a good prospect. The big one, Dodgers acquire Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. Uh, they gave up, I mean, a fair amount, but... Kind of rightfully so. Uh, one of the best pitchers in baseball. A rental for Scherzer. Trey Turner uh, has a year and a half left under team control and is a, a star in his own right. Uh, gave up K. Bear Ruiz, who projects to be an all-star caliber catcher. Josiah Gray should be uh, about a two-starter in the majors. Both major league-ready prospects as well. White Sox acquired Craig Kimbrell from the Cubs. Trading Nick Madrigal in the deal, though. Their, their second baseman, who is out for the year with an injury, um, as well as Cody Heyer. Uh, Blue Jays acquire Jose Barrios from the Twins. Give a pretty steep price for that one. Austin Martin, a, a very good athletic infield prospect, as well as Simeon Woods Richardson, who looks like he's probably going to be uh, a pretty good starter in the major leagues. Mets acquiring our, our favorite rival, Javier Baez, from the Cubs. Pete Crow Armstrong, pretty good prospect going back in that one. And then rounding it out with the big trade, Chris Bryant going to the Giants for a couple of prospects. So, Quite a lot that happened on the the, uh, the trade front over the last week or so. Wanted to kind of fill you all in. Uh, hopefully, you're able to follow a little bit what happened. We'll talk a little bit more about what happened within the division, some of the more important moves, and maybe some of the uh, the moves that you know the Dodgers made, the Giants, the the Padres, how that might impact the Brewers' postseason chances and and advancing further in the postseason. Uh, we're going to go ahead right away and talk about the Eduardo Escobar trade. Uh, he is a pretty versatile infielder, switch hitter, uh, and he is. Been in the league for a while, debuted back in 2011, spent the last few years of his career with Arizona, uh, where 19 he posted uh, almost four wins above replacement on a, a pretty good Arizona team, and then really struggled last year, kind of kind of struggled to get going, but we saw that with a lot of players, and then this year bounced back. He was an all-star this year, and I, I don't think he'd be an all-star if not for the uh, one all-star per team minimum rule, uh, but right now he's hitting 246. 300 on base percentage, 478 slugging, providing pretty good defense. Uh, he's a, a pretty good defender at third, at second, and he can play some left field as well, uh, shortstop maybe a little bit. And then Brewers plan on having him play a little bit of first base as well against left-handed pitching. He does hit left-handed pitching really well, so that does help the Brewers a lot because Urias hits left-handed pitching well. You put Urias at third. Uh, some of the lefty bats at first over Telez, Vogelbach hopefully coming back soon. And now you got a good platoon partner there in Escobar uh, at first base. Escobar is a rental, but uh, not a huge price for them to uh, to give up to get Escobar. Got Alberto Ciprian, who is a, a very young 
uh, Dominican. I think he's an infielder. Uh, I don't know a, a ton about him. He's played pretty well so far in the Dominican Summer League, hitting 378 in, in limited time in, in just 12 games. But uh, I know he's a very athletic infielder and, and uh, kind of a, a lottery ticket, they call, where you know it's possible that he puts it all together, but uh, not super likely because he is very far from the big leagues and he is only 18 years old right now. Cooper Hummel, the other guy they traded, kind of the opposite end of that spectrum. He is already 26 years old. Uh, but he's played really well in AAA this year. Uh, he's he's hitting 254, but 435 on base in Nashville with a 508 slugging. Uh, good for 50% above league average in AAA, 25% walk rate, and only a, about a 15% strikeout rate. So both excellent numbers. Uh, he's the only, the only thing with Hummel is came up as a catcher, but not really good enough defensively to be uh, a catcher. So he plays some in the outfield. Uh, tried him a little bit at first base. Kind of a, uh, a Ryan Domit type, um, if you guys remember Ryan Domit back with Pittsburgh about 10, 15 years ago. Uh, bad defensive catcher, could hit a little bit though, and could uh, could carve out maybe maybe some uh, playing time in the major league, especially with Arizona. Hopefully they give him a shot. Uh, already 26, and I think he's earned it. He's he's performed at every level of the minors, but the Brewers aren't really a team in the spot right now to be able to give him that development time in the majors and to maybe take a chance on somebody who's not a very uh, heralded prospect. The next move they made came earlier today, acquiring Daniel Norris from Detroit in exchange for Reese Olsen. I'll talk about Norris a little bit first. Was a, a very good prospect coming up with Toronto in 2014. Was traded actually as kind of the headliner for David Price in 2015, and kind of got started off in his career as a, a pretty good starter. Uh, ran ERAs in the mid threes first couple of years in, in some partial seasons in the rotation, uh, but then really kind of fell apart. wasn't really able to get things together uh, over the next couple of years, and they finally moved him to the bullpen this year. 38 appearances. The ERA is bad. 5.89. Uh, that 5.89 ERA. I want to say that was Jonathan Broxton's ERA with the Brewers. Um, so for whatever reason, I might have to check that one. Uh, I'll, I'll make sure I'll, I'll check later to see if we got if, if I got that right 589 um, but he's he's been much better as of late he's a 324 ERA I think since July started um, one thing that's interesting about him as well is his changeup is really good so uh, he has gradually increased the usage of his changeup uh, to kind of I mean utilize his best weapon and he throws a fastball and a slider as well, uh, but that changeup looks like like kind of the best pitch for him, and that's been kind of a recipe that the Brewers have looked at, especially in relievers. I think, of course, you got Devin Williams with a great changeup, even Hader developing a changeup, Trevor Richards, who of course they did trade only about ten appearances after they acquired him. Uh, he had an excellent changeup. Brewers were able to turn him into a pretty good reliever, uh, utilizing that changeup well, uh, and the changeup's a good pitch for relievers because it really helps them uh, neutralize opposite-handed hitters. So Daniel Norris isn't really a lefty specialist if he can throw that good changeup that fades away from the right-handed hitter. And that can be pretty valuable weapon uh, in a bullpen, especially one when you get the three batter minimum rule where you have that in effect. And Daniel Norris then can get lefties and righties out effectively. Opponents hitting just 211 off his changeup this year. Been a little bit better against his slider. Slider, unfortunately, has not really been good. It's been more fastball changeup for him has been the more successful route. So hopefully the Brewers are able to 
get uh, get something out of Norris. He is a, a free agent after the year, so just a rental on him. They did give up, though, Reese Olsen, a, a pretty intriguing young prospect. 21-year-old, they drafted him back in 2018, 13th rounder, but this year has been up to 97 miles an hour. Uh, he's got a good slider and curveball, pretty distinct, uh, the two are, and a good changeup as well. His command is lacking a little bit, but still kind of developing that cha that, that command uh, with the, the four-pitch mix he has, and he's really got good stuff. Uh, he's he struck out over 10 batters per nine in, in Wisconsin at t the Timber Rattlers uh, and walked just under under five per nine. So that's, that's the main thing is the walks, but uh, he's got excellent stuff. He's still developing, and I know some people were saying that he would probably have been a late first-round pick if he was pitching this way as a college junior, which is where he would be uh, if he decided to go to college. Uh, so kind of an interesting arm there. Unfortunately, the Brewers parting ways with him. Uh, you know, every time you get major league value, you have to give up something uh, in the term in the form of prospects. So Brewers having to uh, part ways with Reese Olsen, a nice young arm. I think Fangraphs even had him ranked as their sixth prospect right now. MLB.com, not quite that high. And then the, the last move the Brewers made was one that I actually really liked. They brought in a guy, John Curtis, who kind of bounced around off waivers, um, kind of everywhere. But he had a very successful run with the Rays last year. 25 innings, uh, walked just one batter per nine innings, so three walks, and he struck out 25. So got excellent command, uh, and he's as evidenced by his stats this year as well, uh, only has walked... Um, about two batters per nine while striking out nine. So I think 40 to nine strikeout to walks on the year. 2.48 ERA limits the long ball as well. Uh, I really like him. I, I like uh, the, the the kind of the Brewers targeting that undervalued guy. He's got a minor league option remaining still. And he also does have, I think, um, four years of team control left if the Brewers decide to keep him that long. So, so I do like the Brewers getting a guy like that who they can keep in the bullpen for a while. Look at his pitch mix a little bit this year. Basically a, a fastball slider guy. Um, his his fastball has been a little bit more effective than his slider, but he does mix him up at right about 50% each. So those are the two pitches that we'll see. Uh, and that's, I don't know, there's, there's not a whole lot to break down on John Curtis, at least right now. Uh, he doesn't throw particularly hard for a reliever. I guess 95 mile an hour uh, average fastball velocity, which nowadays is, I think, right around um, 50th percentile for a reliever, maybe a little bit above, um, but he is already uh, 28, 29, so uh, not not like a young guy that the Brewers have to develop, but uh, hopefully a, an arm that can really help the Brewers in the pen, and I, and I, I do like Curtis a little better than Norris, uh, to be honest, and I, I think that he definitely has what it takes to be a, a solid reliever. Look at the Brewers' uh, bullpen depth chart right now, and I think they are still uh, sit, sitting pretty well. You know, not necessarily the arms that I thought that they were going to target um, or would have preferred that they target, but I do think that they that they made out pretty well. Um, of course, you got Hayter in the back end of the bullpen, Williams, uh, very good there, and you got Suter and Boxberger. Topa should be coming back in probably about two weeks. Hunter Strickland's been really nice with the Brewers so far. Jake Cousins has really impressed. Uh, Miguel Sanchez has been, you know, a decent middle reliever, as has Yandel Gustave. But you throw Curtis in the mix where I think Curtis is kind of a, a similar role as Brad Boxberger, like a, a seventh-inning guy um, pitching maybe extra-inning games, uh, close games, maybe you're down by a run. Uh, innings innings that are, that are definitely meaningful 
uh, not necessarily that, that setup or closer role. And then Norris, probably a few maybe lower leverage, but one thought I had is maybe the Brewers are hoping that Norris uh, finally getting acclimated to the bullpen now hopefully will turn into a, a Drew Pomeranz type move. Uh, of course, that move turned out really well for the Brewers. So it's certainly possible that the Brewers are hoping or, or see something uh, that would make them believe that it, that they'd be able to turn him into someone like a Drew Pomeranz in the bullpen uh, with Norris. On the Curtis trade, they did give up Peyton Henry, a, a catcher who's been in the organization for about five years now. Uh, he's uh, Henry is more of a defense first guy. They left him unprotected in the Rule 5 draft last year, and he went unclaimed. Uh, in Double A this year, he was hitting 315. They promoted him to Triple A, and uh, he's still at 262, 338 on base, 361 slugging, though a little bit low. Uh, and he is uh, 24 years old. Profiles more as a backup catcher at this point, I would say. So I don't think the Brewers gave up a ton for a, you know a solid reliever in John Curtis. I, I actually really like the move, uh, even though. I was a little bit upset because that was right when the Giants got Bryant. Then they announced John Curtis to the Brewers, and it's kind of like kind of demoralizing. Uh, of course, they don't counter move like that, but at the same time, you know, you see Bryant go to the Giants, you see Rizzo to the Yankees, and, and then you just sit there and John Curtis, Daniel Norris. I mean, yeah, and solid arms, but uh, not not the huge high impact guys that, of course, you're hoping for as a fan. The division overall didn't do a lot to uh, to get better. Of course, the Cubs really blew things up, uh, trading Bryant, Baez, Rizzo, uh, Peterson a couple weeks ago, Kimbrell. Uh, they did hold on to Zach Davies and Kyle Hendricks. Uh, Hayward they're probably stuck with because of his, his, his salary. Uh, but Cubs are really going down. Uh, they're about 500 right now, but no longer a threat whatsoever. Uh, the, the Cardinals... They, I don't know that they really got better. They traded John Gant for Jay Happ. Happ has like a 10 ERA in his last five starts. Hasn't really been that good in Minnesota this year. Um, and Lester, I mean, he's past his prime. He's, you know, decent four or five starter. Um, but nothing really special on that front. So not really sure what the Cardinals were, were trying to do with that. Uh, a couple of rental veteran lefties. So... I, I don't really see the Cardinals as being a threat to the Brewers at this point. They're already, what, nine games back, something like that. Uh, and then the Reds added a couple bullpen arms. Michael Givens, Justin Wilson, Louis Sessa. But not really anything that was that substantial. Uh, and I, I'm not really concerned about the moves they made. Uh, didn't add anything as far as the starting rotation or the... Uh, any, anything really like that. The the bigger holes they had, uh, the shortstop position. I was a little worried they might get Story or, or Baez or someone like that, um, but they didn't, so uh, so it turned out well. Um, so overall, I was happy with the way that the trade deadline turned out in the NL Central. Uh, the Brewers made a couple of good moves and nobody else really did anything, but I was a little disappointed. Dodgers went out, got Scherzer, Turner, uh, and Danny Duffy as well. Uh, Giants got Bryant, Padres got Frazier, and Daniel Hudson, and those are already, they're going to be the three toughest teams to play in the playoffs. Of course, two of them are going to have to be wild cards, so, you know, the Brewers are only going to have to probably play one. If the Brewers get the two seed, which right now is, is likely, I would say, uh, the Brewers then will probably play the Mets, uh, or, I mean, it's possible the Braves make a run, but I think it's more likely the Mets. And then if they are able to get past the Mets, you play one of the Padres, Dodgers, Giants. Of course, the Dodger, Dodgers are the favorite at this point. But, um, but you know, you look at the, the rotations. Of course, the Dodgers' offense is better than the Brewers. Um, 
go at positional. It's not like the Brewers have no competition, but the Dodgers have a better offense. A lot of the playoffs about the pitching, though. People are talking about how the Dodgers rotation is, you know, uh, nobody could beat them. But, you know, you compare them, Bueller against Woodruff, about the same this year. Kershaw against uh, against Burns. Burns has been much better than Kershaw this year. Scherzer against Peralta, again, pretty comparable. Uh, and then Julio Rios against Adrian Hauser and, and the rest of the bullpen. And I think it's pretty even there. So it's not like we're talking about like a team that's going to blow them out in every way like they did last year, unfortunately. Um, but the Brewers are a much different team now. Uh, so I am I am a lot more optimistic about the Brewers going into the playoffs. A little bit less optimistic um, than I was, you know, 48 hours ago. But I still am pretty optimistic about the Brewers' chances in the playoffs. When you've got starting pitching like the Brewers have, it's going to be pretty tough for any team to beat them. I'm not saying they're the favorites, but when you look at kind of the, the rest of the NL, I don't think that the Brewers are like the week one uh, of the group or by any means the under the big underdogs, even though the media will kind of portray it that way, uh, especially with the big market Western teams uh, being kind of the favorites as well as the Mets. But uh, overall, I would say Stearns did his best to uh, help the team, and he did say also that uh, they were kind of advancing towards a couple of premium talents, but the geographical location didn't help them. I know, I'm know i almost positive Rizzo had a, a no-trade clause that he had to waive. Scherzer, I know, did. So my guess is he's alluding to one or both of those guys uh, that they were hopefully going after. I don't know about Rizzo, the Cubs, would they trade him within the division? Not sure about that one. Scherzer, though, I know Scherzer wanted to go to the West and did not want to go somewhere in the Midwest. So that ended up being a, a factor there. And it would have been so much fun to see Scherzer in a Brewers uniform, I have to admit. Uh, but, uh, but the Brewers, uh, overall, a pretty successful deadline, I would say. Would have liked to see him make a splash, but can't complain too much. Uh, but that's going to wrap it up. I did check Jonathan Brox, and I was right. 5.89 ERA with the Brewers in, uh, what was that, 2014? Um, no, 2015. Uh, 36 innings, 5.89 ERA. So... I was right on that. I had to go back and check. Um, he was another great deadline uh, trade deadline acquisition um, back in 2014. Hopefully, we don't get any Jonathan Broxons or, or Jonathan Scopes in this year's group of, of um, trade deadline acquisitions. But thanks for listening, and that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. We would greatly appreciate if you would rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. We'd also love if you would be willing to support our podcast financially. And you can find the link to do that down below in the episode notes through the Anchor app. Be sure to check out our blog at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com where you can find great articles and content there. And interact with us at Brewers Podcast on Twitter or Instagram. Thanks for listening and see you next week.